Turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 is where we'll begin reading today. Romans 5, 12. An awesome book of Romans. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. If you have that, say praise the Lord. Praise Amen. Amen. It's good to see everybody here today. It's good to have all of our guests with us this morning. Amen. Okay, Romans in chapter 5, verse 12. Amen. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon Say with me, all men. All men. For that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is a figure or a type. Of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did that much more, or did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, we thank you today, God. May your blessing be upon your word today and the declaration of it, the preaching of it. We ask, God, that you would open the ears of all of us who are present, that we might hear your word today. We thank you for gathering today, those, God, that you would into this place to hear your word. Father God, we thank you. Give you all the glory today for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. When you get to Romans chapter 5, you are in the mountain peak of the whole book of Romans. There is a valley on one side and a sense of valley on the other side. It's a mountain peak. It is the focus. It is the heart of the whole epistle. Although when you read verses 12 through the end of chapter 5, verse 21, it almost doesn't seem like it fits anywhere. It doesn't even seem like it connects with what has been said before it. Doesn't seem like it connects with what is said after it. Well, the reason is, is because it's the mountain peak. And the, the chapters leading up to it point to it. And the chapters that follow it point to it. Okay, you follow what we're saying here? It is a great, great chapter. 
in the word of the Lord. And what you have here is this. Let me just read to you, kind of refresh your memory. Verse 12, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men. How? Through one man, sin. Death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. All right, you with me here? Now, verse 17 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. So what we have in this chapter then is we have God showing us the two worlds in this planet. Okay? When I talk about worlds here, I'm not talking about the, this physical earth. When I talk about worlds and when God talks about the worlds, He's talking about the age. Okay, so there's two ages in this planet right now. You with me here? <clears throat> there's two orders. There's two men. There is the Adam race of people, and there is the race of people who are in Jesus Christ. So there's two worlds, there's two societies in the earth at the same time. They run side by side in this planet. Now what does that mean? Well, it means simply this, that those that are in Christ are a completely new mankind, a completely different race of people from those that are outside of Christ. Everybody that's outside of Christ are in the old age, or they're in the old world, or they're in the old man. They're the fallen race. And in this chapter right here, in this latter part here, it shows us these two ages living side by side in this planet. Do you understand what we're trying to say here? So that whenever somebody comes into the kingdom of God, and I'll explain these heads in a minute, but when somebody comes into the kingdom of God, then they're in a totally different realm. They're in a totally different kingdom. They're in a totally different world than those that are out there in the age of sin and death. Okay? So that when you come into the kingdom of God then, you begin to see things nobody else sees. And you begin to hear things nobody else is hearing. When I say nobody, what I mean by that is nobody that's in that world out there that's in Adam, that fallen race. That's why when you go to your workplace, there is tension at times. Or as a Christian, you're living in this world. Remember, there's two worlds or two ages uh, side by side in this planet. And so there's a conflict. And so there's people that you work side by side with or whatever, interrelate with in this world. They're in the old Adam. You're in Christ if you're born again. <laughs> so they don't understand you. Because you're seeing something they don't see. And you're hearing something they don't hear. So you're odd to them. Because when you came into the kingdom of God, you have become a totally new creation. You have entered into a, a kingdom. You are a new race of people. You are a new mankind from the, what you used to be. So when you come in here, it's like when you come in the kingdom of God, 
you're walking and living amongst a bunch of blind people. Do you understand? And, and, and it would be very difficult for you if, if you were the only one that could see. Let me give you this analogy. If you're the only one that could see physically in this world and everybody else around you in this world were blind, it would be very difficult for you who can see to communicate to those who cannot see what you're seeing because they can't see it. And it'd also be like if you, you know, you were hearing something nobody else could hear. You're the only one on the planet that could hear. Everybody else was, was physically impaired. They could not hear. And it would be very difficult for you to go about and try to explain to them, people who cannot hear, what you're hearing. How could you communicate that to them? So when you come into the kingdom of God then, this age, this world system... This fallen world system that is in the old Adam, the fallen race of mankind. When you come into the kingdom of God, you're in a totally different realm than they are. So there's tension that takes place because of that. Because they don't understand what you're seeing because they, don't, they can't see. They, don't, they haven't seen what you have seen. They haven't heard what you have heard. They don't understand why you are trying to be different than they are. Do you understand? It's because you're, a, you're a, you know, a to, from a totally different realm. It is as if you have come from another planet. And in a sense, you have. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have come from another planet. Let's call it heaven. And you've landed upon this earth. Okay, and you're representing that kingdom from which you have come. And so you've come down here. And so the rest of the world looks at you as though you are alien. Because you're getting your communications from a different world. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your communication is coming from a different world. Your, what you're seeing is coming from a different world. You have, in a sense, landed here. Okay, just use that analogy. It's weak, but it's, it's maybe to help you understand. You have landed here with a different language. You talk different. You look different. You dress different. You don't do the same things they do. You hear a different voice. They don't, what are you, what are you hearing? You act like you're hearing another voice. So it's because you are. You're hearing from your head, Jesus Christ. You're walking with Him. And because of that, now listen, if in just this analogy I'm using, if aliens were to invade this planet, I assure you that they probably wouldn't dress like Americans do, or people in this world. They would have their own, you know, certain type of uh, uh, material and a certain type of way to dress. Is that correct? Amen. You probably couldn't understand what they were saying because they speak a language that you know nothing about. They would probably look odd to you in their appearance, not just their dress, but their appearance. They would be a complete oddity to you because they are aliens in this planet. So what I want you to see here is that when you come into the kingdom of God, all right, then you are so different from this world. You are so different from what you used to be that you are a brand new creation. You are a brand new mankind living among mankind. You are a brand new world living among the world. Do you understand? And because of that, now you as a woman, 
You know, when you were in the world, you didn't look like a woman probably. Now, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I'm going to get in the Bible with you. When you were in the world, you dressed like the world. You with me here? Now, now listen to me. Now, when you come in the kingdom of God, though, God gives you guidelines to how to, to dress, what apparel is appropriate, what apparel is not appropriate. And to begin with, Deuteronomy 22.5 tells you that you're not supposed to cross-dress, which means you're not supposed to, a man is not supposed to put on a woman's apparel, and a woman is not supposed to put on a man's apparel. Now, if I came up here today and I was wearing a dress, you would probably just walk right out the door. Unless you were looking for one of those kinds of churches. You would turn around and walk right out the door and say, that man is strange, right? Because he's wearing a dress. Why is that? Because a dress is for what? For women. Same thing in, in the realm of the women, okay? This society in this world has portrayed and pushed and promoted women wearing apparel of men, women wearing the pants and all of this stuff. That, the Bible tells us, is not a part of the kingdom you're a part of. You are a brand new race of people, so you're going to, when you come into the kingdom of God, you're going to start looking like a woman. What is so hard about that? When you come in the kingdom of God, you, throw your, you burn your pants. If you're a man, you come in the kingdom of God, you burn your dresses. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Now, where am I getting? Well, Deuteronomy 22.5 talks about that. And it is an abomination to God for us to dress, for a man to dress like a woman, and for a woman to dress like a man. It is an abomination to God. It is something that God hates. So when you come in this kingdom realm, thank God, I will tell you something. Every woman I ever seen come into the kingdom of God, when it's really the kingdom of God, changed the way they dressed. Are you with me? And most men I know when they come into the kingdom of God, if they really come into the kingdom of God, it'll change the way they dress. Because what? You're a different world now. You don't look like them. You don't talk like them. You're not hearing the same voice. You're not saying the same things. You're not going to the same places of sin. You're not dressing the same way because you have really come into the kingdom of God. If your outward is not affected by your inward, then you have nothing on the inside. But when you get something on the inside, it's going to change the way you look on the outside. Because now... You have been plunged into a totally different kingdom. So they're not going to understand, you know, the way you live. They're not going to understand the way you dress. You're an alien. You're odd. They're at war with you. Do you understand? Because they don't understand you. Well, they can't expect them to. But if they come, the people, you know, if they transfer from the, the world of Adam, the fallen race, and they come in the kingdom of God, well, then guess what? They'll start understanding then. I'm a brand new creation. I don't even talk the same way I used to talk. Come on, somebody. You know, and I'll tell you, you know what I'm talking about. Praise the Lord. When I came into the church, man, my hair was down to here. Maybe not quite that much. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? 
I didn't know what it was what it was about to be a man. I didn't know I was supposed to, you know, how I was supposed to look. Now I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm just telling you the word of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it talks about, it talks about, Deuteronomy 22 5 talks about the apparel. 1 Corinthians 11 talks about the hair. Now, some people today say it doesn't make any difference. It does to God. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 11 talks about that a woman is not to cut her hair, but a man is to cut his. Now, I know that might be strange to the world, but that's because the world is strange, not because you are. Because when you come in the kingdom of God, doesn't it make sense that a man's going to look like a man and a woman is going to look like a woman and she's going to stop cutting her hair and he's going to start cutting his? Why y'all looking at me? Am I in a holiness church or what? But it doesn't just affect your outward appearance. Deuteronomy 22, 5, verse Corinthians 11. It affects your whole life. And if I don't stand up here and I don't preach and I don't tell you the word of God, then you have no idea. This is the manual of how to live in a world that is in opposition to the outward world that's out there. Come on, church. Now, God will save you, okay, women in your pants. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm glad God saved me with my hair. You with me here today? So, you know, it's not that, well, I'm doing all these things to get saved. It's because I am saved and I'm a part of a totally different society. Now, some of you don't have the guts to do what I'm doing right now. And there's a lot of churches that don't have the guts either. And they let divorce and remarriage run rapid in their church. And they call them apostolic Pentecostal. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to preach this word of God. And I'm going to tell those people who are out in that world. That you can come into the kingdom of God and you can be saved by what Jesus did for you. But once you come in, you hear a voice that they don't hear. You see things they don't see. You look like, you act like, you talk like, you walk like. You're an alien to this world because you are in a sense. Do you understand these things? We are a different creation. We're peculiar. Doesn't mean we're strange. Strange to the world, but we're not strange. We're peculiar. We're his chosen ones. Hallelujah. Now you get mad at me and you can walk out and all this stuff, you know, and, and feel like I'm trying to put you down, but that's not the point here. I'm telling you, I've been changed. And so what Paul does here is he shows you by comparison and by contrast those who are in the kingdom of God in the new world in Jesus Christ a brand new creation a brand new society and those who are outside of him the condemnation and the contrast are you with me here so there are some who are justified in a right relationship with God. That's what that means. Right relationship with God. And then there's some that are not in a right relationship with God. You with me here at this point? And it does make a difference when you come in the kingdom of God. How many has made a difference for you? 
Praise the Lord. Now, when we look at this, the Bible tells us in verse 12, Wherefore, by one man, one man, sin entered into the world. Who was that man that plunged this planet into a, 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 a system of fallenness? Who was it? The first Adam. When he took of that fruit, listen, he plunged the whole human race into sin. He is the, what is known as the federal head. So that because he's the first man of creation. He's the first man of all people. What he does affects all people that will follow him. Do you understand that? He is the representative of the human race. So that every one of us, including Sister Martha. I know that's hard to believe. But including Sister Martha was in Adam's loins. And it's even harder for me to, for you to believe that I was. She's going to get mad at me. No. <laughs> She's going to start giving me sign language. You know, that's, for some reason, she started giving me sign language in church. And I don't know what any of it means. Thank God I don't know what it means. But it's not biblical. I know that. She's hearing from another planet, I think, you know. <laughs> But anyway, everybody here was in that first man. You were in the lowens of that first man. You know what I'm talking about? Let me give you an example. What I have done through my life affects the, the generation that is in me or was in me. I don't plan on having any more children. But Jeremiah, before he was born, was affected by my decisions. Victoria, before she was born, was affected by my decisions. You with me here? See, before they were born, every time I touched a door, they touched the door in me. That's the way the Bible teaches it. Do you understand? So that, watch this. If, if I go to Taiwan, if I travel to Taiwan, they may not have ever been there, you know, and they have. They may not have ever been before, okay, but they are in me. So as soon as I get on that plane, go to Taiwan, they go with me. Because they're in me. Do you understand? They're my seed. Or they were my seed. They are my seed. So in Adam, because he is the first man, everybody that would ever come in mankind was affected by his decision. And when he reached up and he took that apple. Oh, you didn't. Lord, help me. I got to go back to 101 with you. The Bible doesn't say it was an apple. I was waiting for y'all to correct me. Now, pastor, it wasn't an apple. <laughs> it wasn't an apple. It was it just the Bible says it's a fruit. Now, here's the thing. When Eve took the fruit, she didn't plunge the whole race into sin because Eve came out of Adam. You understand? But when Adam took the fruit and he ate the fruit because uh, everybody is in him, he's the, the first man. When he takes that fruit, when he puts his hand on that fruit to disobey God, when he does that, my hand is in there. When he puts that, his hand on that fruit, your hand is in his hand. Because he represents. You understand? Because he is the representative. 
What he does affects everybody that will come out of his loins. Not Eve. Eve sinned, but she didn't plunge the whole human race into sin. Because she's not the federal head. Adam is. Do you understand these things? Hallelujah. And so when Adam, because he was the first man and represents all of mankind who would ever be born. When he sinned against God, he plunged everybody into that condition. Right? That's what the Bible teaches. And so because of that, we have, wherefore by one, one man, sin entered into the world. He was the gate that sin walked through when he sinned against God. He plunged the whole race, the world into sin. Do you understand? So we have then, Mr. Sin has walked in to the planet. Rebellion against God. Disobedience to God. Okay? Put man into sin. And then the Bible says, not only did sin come in, but death came in. Mr. Death walked in. Now, what sin is, is not, and what death is not, is this. We think about death. We think about death as at the end of our life when we stop breathing and we go on, right? When we pass away. We think that's death. You right? You understand? But death is not at the end of your life when you just stop breathing and you go on. Sin is not acts alone. It's sin is not just what you do. See, we think about sin as what we do. But sin, watch this, sin, it came into the world by one man. And the scripture tells us here uh, that also death by sin. And so death passed upon all men. And then it says for all, for that all have sinned. Now, then it talks about the acts of sin. But the sin that was passed on all men was the sin nature. In a sense, let me just put it this way, in a sense. It was the nature of Satan. His rebellion, his disobedience to God became a part of man. Satan tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam, with me here? Adam fell. He caused the whole human race to fall. And when he did, that nature of evil entered into Adam. The sin nature entered into Adam. The sin nature entered into you. So that everybody that would ever be born from Adam was born with a sin nature. So that that little baby, when it comes into the world, as precious as it is, has got a sin nature. And you think, oh, look at this little precious little angel. We'll give it about three or four years. And this precious little angel, you know, that you think is sinless, will let you know there's something not quite right with it. And what's not right with it is it has been born with a sin nature that it got from Adam. You understand? So when Adam sinned, sin nature came into the world and it passed upon everybody else that was in his genes. You understand? It was a part of his genes. It's a part of his spirit. Understand? So my children have certain characteristics to me. They, uh, they sort of look like me. Thank God they look more like their mama. Hallelujah. 
you know. But, but if you look at my children, you might be able to say, you know what, that's, that's pastor's daughter right there. That's pastor's son right there because they look a little bit like him. They look really like Christina, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm trying to show you what I'm saying. Is there's something that has passed from me to them. Same thing with Adam. I got a sin nature from Adam. It was in the genes. You understand what I'm talking about? And it really wasn't just genetic. It was demonic. And guess what? Every one of us still have that nature inside of us. All of us do. But that little baby is going to grow up. And after a while, you're going to see, boy, it just goes berserk on you. What's wrong with you? Well, it's pretty Don't you know what's wrong with them? Same thing that's wrong with you. Same thing that's wrong with your pastor. I'm real. I'm telling you the truth. Amen. We have a sin nature that does not only make us capable of sinning, but drives us to sin. It pushes us into evil. You with me here? So that is, that is the sin nature. But then he talks about for all have sinned. That's the acts. You with me? So you might say, well, that's not fair. I got my sin nature from Adam. That's not fair. Okay. Well, the moment that you ever thought, of, thought something you weren't supposed to thought, think and ever said anything you weren't supposed to say or ever did anything you weren't supposed to do, then you became a sinner. On your own. You're not hearing me. You were a sinner when you were born because you had a sin nature. But if you could ever point a finger and say, this isn't fair, the moment that you sinned, you can't point the finger anymore. So we have a sin nature that we were born with. When we were babies, we have it. You've still got it. I've still got it. And then it causes us acts to do acts of sin. Now, I know all you think you're angels, and, you know, you're sitting there all sanctified. You're not talking to me, Pastor. Yes, I am. I'm talking to you. You understand? Let me tell you something. I got educated a long time ago when I first started pastoring. When I first started pastoring, I thought, everybody was going to love me. Everybody was going to love the Word of God that I preached, and I found out. I got a real shock. Very few people love me, and even fewer love the Word of God. You see what I'm saying? So I've got over my, my uh, you know, uh, my, uh, oh, you know, my deception, I guess you could say, about things. I know it's, I know reality, my friend. And because we have that sin nature in us, it will drive us to sin. That's why you have to walk in your new headship. You have to walk in Jesus and walk with Jesus. And by His Spirit, you'll have power over that sin nature. But that sin nature is so powerful in you that your mind can't stop it. Your will can't stop it. Your desire not to sin cannot keep you from sinning. It is too strong. You've got to have, a, you've got to become a new creation. You've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost and power. And that is what gives you power to live in the new realm. But at the same time, you've still got, again, these two worlds running side by side on the inside of you. 
What makes you different is you have, you are a brand new creation, okay? And you, are in, you have both these worlds where those people that are outside in Adam alone are just in their sin nature. You understand? Okay. Give God some praise. Does, does that help you understand? That's how sin came into the world. That's how you were born with sin. And that's why you sin. Okay, so sin, again, is not just an act. Sin is a power. It is a power. Watch. It's a power that puts people in bondage. It is a power that puts them in prison. It's not because, well, they did a sinful act that they're bound. It's because sin is a power. It's a nature. And sin then brings death. So sin is more than an act. It's a power. It's a nature that you have that causes you to desire evil things. Death is not when you die at the end of your life. You with me? Death is much more than that. The Bible says when Mr. Sin came in, the Bible says death passed upon all men. So there's people walking around today. They haven't physically died yet. But they are still dead. They are dead to God. They, They are walking in that old world, that old age. And it's not really life. It's walking dead people. Do you understand? They are in the power of death. And so when at the end of their physical life they stop breathing, all it is is really just the the, the period at the end of the sentence. If you understand what I'm saying. People are dead right now. If they're still in that old age, in that old world of Adam, that fallen world, they are walking dead people. They've got physical life, but they are living in a realm of unlife. Unlife. Because watch, Jesus is life. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. So if you're not in Him... You're still in the old Adam, that old world. Then you're walking in that world of sin and death. Where sin reigns. The power of sin reigns. And and the power of death reigns. And so when you're in that realm, you are not, you are walking in the realm of unlife. Because when you reject the life, who is God? God is life. Jesus is life. If you reject him or you're not in him, then you are in the power of death. You are not alive. You got physical life, but you're really not alive. You see what we're saying here? It is a power of death. It is a power of sin. Hallelujah. Does this make sense to you? Are you with me up to this point? Amen. Listen, Jesus said this in John chapter 11. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me will never die. Never die is what he said. Why is that? Because he is life. When you get in him, you have life. You have eternal life. He is eternal life. And you'll never die. 
so that when you go to sleep, or you, you know, we use the term die, at the end of your life, the period at the end of the sentence, we always say, well, that sister so-and-so, she died, you know, and uh, whatnot. But really what it is, is sleeping. I know the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise. But really, when the Bible talks about the death of the righteous person or the saved person, it uses terms like sleep. Them that sleep in Jesus. So what I want you to see is that when you come out of the power of light or sin and death out from underneath that old Adam, that old man, that old system, and you start walking in this new age, hearing a different voice, seeing different things, with me here you're no longer in the power of sin and death it no longer has to control your life sin doesn't have to control you and you're no longer walking in the realm of death because you're connected to the life and so that even at the end of my life you know where the the period is where I fall asleep really the Bible doesn't really talk about a Christian dying it talks about Christians going to sleep so for me, when I stop breathing and my, you know, this body no longer is alive, all it is to me is simply sleep. It's just like going to sleep, like you go to sleep every day, going to sleep and waking up the next morning, except when you go to sleep completely. And I'm not talking about soul sleep, that's another subject. But when you go to sleep, when your body stops living, then all you do is simply this just wake up in the arms of Jesus on the other side if you're a Christian so for a a Christian we are not in the power of sin and we're not in the power of death any longer because we're in a totally new world where life reigns supreme and we have power over sin and it's not true that you gotta sin a little bit every day that is not true that is pagan philosophy that is preached in the church. You can have the power to live above the power of sin. You have power to live above the power of death. So that even when I get to the period at the end, it's just going to sleep. That's all it is. And when you understand that, that takes away the sting of death. It takes away the fear of death. Now, nobody wants to die because it's not natural for you to die because you were not created to die. You were created once you're born to live forever and never die. But because Adam sinned, he brought sin into the world and sin, what, brought death. But you were never created. Man was never created for his body to expire. Never was he made that way. So when somebody dies, you say, oh, don't they look so natural there? No, they don't look natural because they were not made to die. The only reason why there is death in the world is because Adam sinned and plunged the whole race into the power of sin and the power of death. So it's not true when you see somebody lying in a coffin that they look natural. Because they weren't made to die. Neither were you. That's why you resist dying. But for the Christian, if you, your body ceases to, to live, then all you did was go to sleep. You didn't die. You just went to sleep. Because if you believe in Him, you'll never die. 
You just go to sleep. And that takes away the fear of death from me. Because I don't operate. I don't live in that realm. Hallelujah. I don't want to die because I was not made to die. But at the same time, if the Lord doesn't come and rapture us out of here and each one of us lay in a coffin someday, all we did is go to sleep. And we woke up in the arms of Jesus. That's the way the Bible looks at it for the Christian. But for somebody that's in that old Adam, in that old world, in that fallen race of people, they live in the power of sin every day. They live in the power of death every day. So that at the end of their life, physical life, when the period comes, they don't have life because they are in unlife condition. They are in an unlife condition. And because of that, they go into eternity into what? Second death. Eternal separation from God in a place called hell. Why? Because they were in an unlife position here. They are in an unlife position there. Because the way you live is the way you're going to sleep. If you live in Christ, you're going to sleep in Him, and it's life. If you don't live in Him today, don't expect at the end of your life where the period comes that you're going to die that way. You're going to go straight into an unlife existence called hell. Okay? Do you understand? These are very powerful things. Now, I pray that you're getting it. Sin is not just an act, and death is not just an act. It is a power. It is a, it's a force that came into the world through Adam. Do you understand that? Wow. So that's what he says in verse 12. Let me read it to you again. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. Do you understand the federal head then? That he's the representative of all the race, the human race. As by one sin, man centered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So it didn't pass upon us through Eve, through the woman. She was in Adam. She came out of Adam. She was descended from Adam. In fact, Eve, uh, woman means to be taken from, out, of, out of man, or derived from man. Woman. Derived from man. So that's why she couldn't plunge the whole human race into sin. Because she came out of Adam. So whenever the men say, now you women, if you hadn't done that to us. You know, you wouldn't have got us in the mess we're in. (laughs) Honey, they didn't get us in the mess we're in. The man got us in the mess we're in. Because he was the federal head and the representative of all that would come out of his loins. Now, if you, see, if you could get a hold of what I'm preaching this morning, then you'll understand why there's so much tension between those who are in this new creation, this new age in Jesus Christ, and those that are still in that old world. Because, again, they're not going to understand you because you are, in a sense, an alien. You are a pilgrim in this world. You're just passing through. So you don't, you're going to talk different than they do. You're going to hear things different. You're going to do things different. You're going to dress. You should. So you understand that in this planet. Now I'm not going to charge you extra because it's this good. You're in this planet. So side by side in this planet you've got two worlds. 
one in Adam and one in Jesus. The one in Adam is sin. It's the power of sin and it's the power of death. Are you with me here? Aren't you glad you're a part of a new creation? Now, let me, let me just kind of jump over here and let's talk about uh, verse, let's look at verse 15 and I'll go back to, to the law if I can and its purpose in all of this, okay? No, let me do it. I, I can't. I'm going to get you confused and me too. Verse 13, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death, death reigned from Adam to Moses, because, of course, Moses was the lawgiver, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. So death reigned over people from Adam to Moses, even though those people did not sin after the similitude of Adam, which means this, they sinned, even the prophets were not perfect. They had a sin nature. Do you understand? They sinned, but not after the similitude of Adam. Because when I sin, I don't plunge the whole race into, into uh, a depravity. When Adam sinned, he plunged the whole race into depravity. Do you understand? So I, if I sin, uh, it's not like Adam when he sinned. Because he represented, he was the head. He represented all mankind that would follow him. But that's not the case with you, thank God. So that if you sin, you don't plunge me into sin. Thank God. And if I sin, I don't plunge you into sin. Boy, we'd have a mess on our hands. If everybody in here was a federal head and everything you did affected everybody else, thank God you are an individual. Adam was an individual, yes, but he had the whole race in him. Now you're in an individual and you are not a federal head. So what you do doesn't plunge everybody into sin. And what I do, uh, hallelujah, because I'm an individual. Okay? Now, you understand. So what happened was, the law came into the old age. I know a lot of you, you know, the law came from God. And it's God's word. But that law was placed in where? The old age. Let me explain what I'm talking about. The law is in the old man. It, was, it, it came from God... But its location is in Adam. All right, all right. What do I mean by that? Because the law, number one, it defines sin and it is a barrier to sin. But it doesn't have power. Listen, it doesn't have power to forgive. It doesn't have power to change your nature. It doesn't have power to save you. The law defines sin. The law, are you with me here? The law is a barrier to sin, but it doesn't have power to forgive or save you. So it was in the old Adam. Mm. It is in the old world. Because it was never given, the purpose of the law was never given to save men. It was given to govern the life of men. But see, people today, well, you need to keep the Torah so you can be saved. Are you crazy? The Torah was never given to save you. The law was given to judge you, to condemn you. The law was given to define sin. The law was given to be a barrier to sin. The law is in the old Adam. And that law of God that demands perfection. 
then because I'm not perfect, because I have a sin nature, and I've committed sinful acts, the law is against me. It says, you are guilty, my friend. And there's nothing in the law that, that comes along and says, okay, you can be forgiven. The law condemns you. Are you with me here? It says, you deserve death, every one of you. Number one, because you came out of the loins of Adam. And number two, you have committed sinful acts. And so the law says, you die. Eternal condemnation. No power to save whatsoever. So the law was in the old man. Now, how, what happens then, the law, when it gets through with its purpose, it has a purpose. The purpose is from God. But it's to drive you to a place of utter hopelessness, total despair. When it gets finished with its, with its work, it walks up to you. Give me your arm. It walks up to you and it puts you in the hand of grace. And when it does that, then it operates in the new world at that time. But before it hands you over into the, to the arms of Jesus, into the arms of grace, it's operating in the old realm, saying, don't do this. It's trying, it restraining sin, defining sin, condemning that old nature and condemning that old society that you were a part of. And then it, come, it dawns on you. Man, I, I'm just so discouraged. I'm so full of despair. I can't do it. I can't live it. I know I'm not supposed to sin like that. I know I'm not supposed to act like that. I know I'm not supposed to to do that. The Bible says I'm not supposed to do that. But I find myself doing that. So I stand guilty before God. And the law gets me by the arm. And it says the only way that you can be saved is not by by me. I don't have power to forgive you. I don't have power to change your nature. I don't have power to regenerate you. I don't have power to to put you in a different realm. So my purpose is in this old realm. is to drive you to a place of despair. Where you'll run out of this old realm. into Into the arms of Jesus Christ. So the law is good. It's perfect. It came from God. But you have to understand its purpose is not to save you. It's purpose is to condemn you and then having condemned you take you by the arm and put you in the realm of grace do you understand that now watch the the law itself came in the in the days of moses you know ten commandments etc but before that sin death reigned and people were in sin, even though it wasn't like Adam's sin. The law comes on the scene and it defines sin and it restrains sin and it condemns man and takes him by the arm and says, look at the sacrifice. Look at the scapegoat. Look at, look at all these sacrifices. The blood is the way to be right with God. Your sins can be removed. You can be regenerated. You with me here? Beautiful, beautiful. You don't have to live in the power of death and the power of sin any longer. You're in a different realm. So sometimes the Spirit of God will bring the law up in me. He'll bring the law into His house. He'll bring His law to you. And He'll use it for the purpose of the law. 
And that is to restrain. That is the purpose of defining. That is the purpose of driving you into despair. So you'll run to God. You'll say, I can't. I'm miserable. I need your spirit, God. Do you understand? See, God is he's perfect. He's good in everything he does. But you have to understand the purposes of what he gives to man and where they fit. Okay? Hallelujah. He goes on, verse 15, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be made dead, much more the grace of God. There you go. And the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. So now he shows us this other, this last Adam. This new head. Now watch, let me show you what he's doing here. In God, God always replaces his men. God is a replacement God. He replaces his men throughout the Bible. Abraham is replaced by Isaac. Isaac is replaced by Jacob. You with me here? That makes sense to you? Elisha, Elijah is replaced by who? Elisha. Moses is replaced by who? Joshua. So God always replaces his men. That is a biblical truth. Adam sinned, plunged the whole human race in the power of sin and death. The law comes along and points out the, the, the need of, uh, for a savior. But here's, here's what's uh, going to be the challenge, you know, is that how do you replace Adam if the first man blew it? If the one God put in the earth is supposed to be the one who represents God, who worships God, who brings everything in under the dominion of God's authority. If that man who's supposed to do all of that, if he blows it, how are you going to replace him? You can replace Abraham with Isaac. You can replace Isaac with Jacob. You can replace Moses with Joshua. You can replace Elijah with Elijah. But how are you going to replace the representative of the whole human race who has blown it? You have to bring in, God has to bring in the world a replacement. But this replacement is much greater, it's much, much deeper than just replacing, like we, we've talked about before, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses to Joshua, Elisha, uh, replaces Elijah. It's much more than that because we, how are you going to replace the representative of the whole human race? How are you going to replace the head who's blown it and plunged the whole race into sin? Then you have to replace him with a new federal head. You've got to replace him, the first Adam, with a, not a second Adam. You've got to replace him with a last Adam. There's not a second or and a third and a fourth Adam. There's only two men in the Bible. There's the first man, Adam, who fell, who blew it. And there's the second man, Jesus Christ. Those are the two federal heads. The first federal head, the creation was in him. And everybody that's born out of his loins... 
is born in that power of sin and death. So now God comes in human flesh as a new federal head. He's called the last Adam. Two men in the Bible and only two men in the Bible. And everybody that's in Adam, die. 1 Corinthians 15 says, if you stay in Adam, you're going to die. But if you get in Jesus Christ, because he has come into the world... He has come into the world. And when he came into the world, he brought in a totally new world. He brought in a totally new creation. He brought in a totally new system. He brought in a totally new age when he came. So that now I've got, what I have to do is I have to move from the first Adam, the last Adam, where the power of sin and death rule and reign. I have to get out of him. How do I get out of that old federal head? How do you do that? You must be born again of the water and the spirit. Go to Galatians 3. Boy, God's word's awesome, isn't it? Galatians 3. Here's what the scripture says. Galatians 3.26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. With me? For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So he tells us in verse 27, For as many as you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So when you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, not the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but when you're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you get filled with His Spirit, that is when you moved out of the old Adam and you got into the new Adam or the last Adam. You got in Christ. You have been regenerated. You have been recreated. You are part of a totally different world. He's the head and you're the body and you're one because you can't separate the head from the body. So everybody that's in that old Adam, that old Adam, he was the head. And there's a body in this world. And they all do what that head does. But now since I've moved out of that old headship. Now I have a new head. It's Jesus Christ. And I'm looking at a body. You are one in him. And the way you got in him is by the new birth. That's the way you got out of the old Adam. It's not, becoming, it's not by becoming more religious. It's not by uh, going to church. It's, it's not by reading your Bible only. It's not by praying only. You must be born again, the Bible says. You've got to come out of that old world, that old Adam. Into Christ Jesus, you are in his headship now. It is by the new birth. You must be born again of the water and the spirit. Because religion, churchianity and religion, it's all a part of that old system. Because when you talk about that old Adam, you're talking about world governments that oppose the Christ of God. 
You're talking about religious systems that uh, they're not preaching the truth. They're all a part of that old Adam. Preachers who who are accepted by the world. Listen to me. If they are accepted by the world, they are not in the body of Christ. Because the world accepts its own. So preachers who are accepted by the world are a part of the old Adam. Don't ever forget that. And preachers and saints of God who who speak His Word and preach His Word and preach the truth and seek to separate themselves from what? The world! They seek to separate themselves from that old age and it's thinking, it's philosophy, it's lifestyle, it's appearance. And preachers who stand up and preach, thus saith God, doesn't matter if, if people get mad or not. And they're rejected by the world. Those preachers most likely are walking under the headship or the authority of Jesus Christ. Because when you really walk with Him, you will be rejected. You will be persecuted. And you tell that you, you, you preach to people or you as a people witness to people. I heard the Lord say this. God told us to do this. If that person is in the other realm, they have no idea what you're talking about. Because they're blind. They don't see what you see. They don't hear what you see. They don't hear what you hear. Because they're not operating in that realm. They might have been born again. They might have come out out from underneath that old headship. But they're not walking with the head. They're seeking to walk separate from the head, Jesus Christ. You have got to walk under His authority. You've got to walk under His headship. But the way that you do that is by being born again. And then once you get born again, then God begins to change you over time. And that's called sanctification. And I, was, and I know some of you are concerned about, you know, your life. But listen, if you've been born again, you are in a new world now. You're not perfect yet. You're growing up in Him, which is the head. You sort of start down here in the feet, you know. You're in Him. Start down here in the feet. But as you continue to grow, it's called sanctification. And pretty soon you end up in Him, which is the head. You end up into a place called perfection or completion. And that's called sanctification. It's a process. So don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Obey God, yes. But if you, if you blow it, you know what you do? You repent. Say, God, I know that's not a part of who I am now. Uh, what I just said and what I just did and the way I've been acting, that, that's a part of who I used to be. But sanctification is, that's the change that God does in your life over a period of time. But the new birth is in an instant. The new birth doesn't take place over a period of time. The new birth is in an instant. In an instant you come into this new kingdom, this new headship, this new creation, this new realm. In the power of life. And then God begins to work in your life. It's called holiness or sanctification. Begins to change you and you become more and more in his image and in his likeness with time. Do you understand? So I'm justified in an in- instant. I'm in a right relationship with God in an instant at the new birth. When I get born again of the water and spirit, 
I exit the old Adam and I enter into Christ. I'm literally in his body just like that. And if you've been born again, you're justified with God this morning. You are right with God this morning. He looks at you as righteous today. But where we mix it up, where we mess it up is we try to put, you know, make righteousness or justification. We try to make that sanctification. No, righteousness is, is, is an instant. It's by the new birth. Sanctification is not in an instant. It's a lifetime experience. God is still working on me every day. I got stuff in me. I told my wife yesterday, I said, I got stuff in me I don't even realize is in me. God is bringing that, you know, to, to up in my life so that I can change and I can deal with that. So and I've been walking with the Lord about 24 years, which is not a long time. But I'm just telling you, don't be discouraged. He's still working on me. That's called sanctification. He's still dealing with that old s- stuff that's in me. Those old atoms, you see, the, the old attitudes, the old ways. The way I used to be when I used to be in that other world. Do you understand? Yeah, I pray you do. I pray you do. Isn't this awesome? So what, what has happened then, the Lord has come. And he is, he, you know, really, you really can't compare Jesus with the first Adam. The first Adam is a type in the sense of headship. You really can't compare the two. There are some comparisons, but you really can't. Because when Jesus came, he wasn't just a man. <laughs> he was not just a man. He was God come in the flesh. He was God manifest in the flesh. When, when this new head comes, he has to be greater than the first head. And he is greater than the first head, Adam. He is the God-man. 100% God and 100% man at the same time. Do you understand? He brings in this new creation. He brings in this new temple. He brings in the new garden of God. Are you with me? The Bible talks about a nation born in a day. And that's not just talking about the nation of Israel physically. A nation shall be born in a day. Who hath heard of such a thing? A nation shall be born in a day. So when Jesus Christ comes, are you with me? And the church, his body comes into existence. Moving out from the old Adam into him. We, you, I'm looking at the temple of God. I'm looking at the Jerusalem of God. I'm looking at a heaven this morning. I'm looking at the temple. I'm looking at the garden of God right now in the spirit. I'm looking at the nation of God. I'm looking at a recreation in God. Are you here today? Let's go over here and let me give you another example. Let's go, and I'm not going to keep you all day, but just half the day. Genesis 5, watch this. Genesis 5, the scripture says in verse 2, Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. Did you see that? When they were created before sin, before the fall, the day they were created, when God created male and female, He called their name Adam. It wasn't until after the fall that Eve got her name. 
She got a separate identity after the fall. So that now Adam looks at her and says, you, are, you will be called Eve, the mother of all living. Do you understand what I'm saying? But before the fall, they all had the same name. It was Mr. and Mrs. Adam. Do you understand? There was no separate identity. They were one body. Are you hearing me today? Called by one name. One body called by one name. So how do you get from underneath that old Adam then? Galatians 3.27. New birth, right? Of the water and the spirit. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts 2.38. That's how you get in this kingdom. Not coming to the front and shaking some preacher's hand. And accepting Jesus as your Savior. Acts 2.38 says you must. It says it tells you how to be born again. Being baptized in Jesus' name. Being filled with the Holy Ghost. You understand? Now watch this. So when Adam before the fall. Adam and his wife. They were both called Adam. Now. When you look at Ephesians 3. It tells us about this new company of people. This new race of people. This new body of people that's in the earth today, the Bible tells us here, verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So when you come out of the power of sin and death, just like before the power of sin and death came into the world, everybody was called by the same name. When you step out of the old Adam into the new Adam, then everybody in that new creation is going to have the same name. And it is the name of Jesus. It's not the titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It's the name of Jesus. And when did you get called by his name? When you went down in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of all your sins. That's when you got his name. That's the only, the only way, biblically, I know that you can get his name. Is by having his name called over you in baptism. If you're not baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins and have the Holy Ghost, I don't care if you, and I appreciate you if you go to church. I appreciate you if you're a part of a church, you're faithful to that church, but that's all you're a part of. Because when you get in His kingdom, you're going to have the same name. And everybody, not just somebody or just a few, but everybody is called by the name of Jesus. One name. So in one sense, I'm an individual. In another sense, I'm a part of a body of people. And everybody here, if you're baptized in your name, you're you, you have the name of the family of God. One name. Jesus. You're, you, you have the name of Jesus. Jesus is a part of your name. Everybody in here. You got the same spirit, Jesus. Part of a new creation. Do you understand? Give God some praise then. <clears throat> And so, before the fall, it was Adam, Mr. Adam and Mrs. Adam, okay, man and woman. The fall takes place. We've got separate identities. 
When you come into the kingdom of God, then you take the one name of Jesus. You're all called by the same name. Jesus is the last Adam. You are the new woman. You replaced Eve. You, I'm looking at the new Eve right now. You under, so for the sake of understanding, I'm looking at the new woman. That's why you are his bride. And you're called by his name. And you're part of the family of God. You are the new Eve. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was not the new Eve. That's what certain religious systems would like you to believe. But the body of Christ is the new Eve. I'm the new woman. I'm married to the last Adam. I'm called by his name. And so when Jesus Christ came into the world, then he came to the world to undo what Adam did. But he didn't just fix the problem. Much more. He brought in a new creation, a recreation that eventually will bring you to glorification. Much more. He brought much more. See, what was lost in Adam, he came to uh, restore. But it wasn't just restoring to man what man lost. It was restoring to him what he lost. And that's what we're a part of. There's an old song we sing. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And that's what we are. See, you didn't realize how much difference there is. But that's why there's tension. Because these two ages running side by side in this planet. Hallelujah. Beautiful, isn't it? I'm so thankful. So are you clear as to how to get out from underneath that old Adam? You know, when they crossed the, the River Jordan in the Old Testament, Joshua, they crossed the old, that River Jordan. The Bible says the waters went all the way back to Adam. Come on, are you with me here? Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection reached all the way back to the, to the first Adam. And, and brought redemption. He brought restoration. He was re God is restoring back to himself what was lost when Adam sinned. Hallelujah. It's awesome, isn't it? It's a sad thing that man, Adam, he blew it. Sad thing. But see, God knew he was going to blow it. Hey, come on. He is so awesome. He, he didn't catch him by surprise. He didn't have a plan A and a plan B. And when the first Adam messed up that he went to plan B, God knew what Adam was going to do before he ever did it. Jesus was slain from before the foundation of the world. Before he ever put the first Adam in the garden. He had a plan. And Adam was a type of him that was to come. Another head that would come. He was a figure, which means if you want to know what Jesus looked like, if you want to even know what Adam looked like, they looked like each other. Because Adam was a figure of him that was to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, God is awesome. And I'm part of this new creation. I'm part of this new garden, this new family. I'm part of the woman, the new woman, his bride. Thank God. 
Hallelujah. And so now it's going to affect my life. It's going to change the way I live. It's going to change. And yeah, there, there's still some of that stuff, you know, that we, we carry from that old, our old ways. You know, old attitudes and old thinking and old, old lifestyle and, and, and old dress, you know, that, that we kind of carry with us into this stuff. But God's trying to tell you, you don't have to live in the power of that. You don't have to live in the power of sin and death. Stop giving yourself an excuse. Because that's what most of us do when we blow it. Well, I just give my, you know, I'm just not perfect. You know how it is, you know. Honey, you don't understand. You are part of a totally new creation. It's supposed to change your thinking, your words, what you're hearing, what you're seeing, the way you live. Everything's different. Hallelujah. What a mountain peak in this epistle. And so verse 12, he says, therefore, right? <laughs> verse 12. I'm, I'm, I promise you I'm almost through. I hate to bore you. Romans 5, verse 12. Wherefore are therefore as by one. So he's wherefore, therefore. Whenever you see wherefore, therefore, you need to ask why it's wherefore or therefore. <laughs> And while it's therefore, the, all, everything he's saying, even though it doesn't seem like it fits with what went before, and we've already talked about what went before, and it doesn't seem like it fits with everything that follows, it's therefore because it's the mountain peak of, of it's, it's the mountain peak. You've got the first four chapters on one side and the other chapters that follow on the other side. It is the mountain peak to which all the others point. Awesome. Therefore is, what does that mean? Well, what went before it? It's there for what went before it. But it's not just there for what went before it. It's there for what follows it. Because when you get to Romans chapter 6, you're going to see that now we're in this new creation. We no longer live in the power of sin. How can I not live for Him? How can I not live for Him? After all, He's done for me. How can I live in the power of death and sin? How can I do that after everything he's done for me? Romans 6 talks about it. So the therefore is therefore for a reason. God is awesome. So he, go, he says it that way. He says, uh, but not as the offense also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead. Much more the grace of God and the gift by grace which is by one man Jesus Christ which is abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses under justification. Adam sinned one sin, plunged the whole human race into sin. One sin changed everything. But Jesus Christ comes in and he, His grace is much more. Which means... I can still be justified even though there may be more than one offense in my life. But maybe, uh, come on. God's grace is abundant. It's not license. None of us in here, if you've really been born again, none of us in here want to live that old way. We, we hate that. We, we even hate ourselves for stumbling. We hate ourselves for failing. We don't want to do that. And God knows that. That's why he says his justification covers many offenses. 
multiple offenses. His grace. Aren't you glad? Aren't you thankful for that kind of grace? Aren't you thankful that, that when you come in the kingdom of God, after you come in the kingdom of God, that He doesn't stand up there and say, you got one sin. You can sin one time. You sin one time. It's over for you. You are hell bound. If He did that, everybody in this church, including this pastor, is in hell. You with me? But He said this justification, this grace is even greater. It's greater. It's much more. You with me here? Many offenses, the offenses of the whole human race were laid upon Jesus Christ when He died on that cross. Not just one sin, but the sin that reached all the way back to Adam and the sin that reaches all the way to the very end. Every man and every woman who's ever committed a sin and all the sin that's ever been committed was placed on Jesus Christ. It does not mean, though, that everybody's going to be saved. Because you've got to get out from underneath that old Adam. And you've got to come underneath the new headship by the new birth. Do you understand? He has provided it. Hallelujah. Y'all with me here? God is awesome. Now, Jesus did this through the work of the cross. Many offenses. When you think about what the Lord did for you. You know, remember those sacrifices in the Old Testament that God required and people would bring sin offerings to cover their sin, you know, to atone their sin, never would take it away. But it just covered the sin, pushed it forward, covered the sin, pushed it forward until Jesus Christ could come and take it away. You remember all those sacrifices? You remember those lambs they would come out, they would take over there and they would kill those lambs, the Passover, you know, celebrate the Passover and whatnot. Those animals, when they were butchered or sacrificed to God, those animals were not treated uh, inhumanely. Those animals, friend, listen to me. When they took those animals to, to offer them to God, whether it be a sin offering or a free will offering, they didn't whoop them on the way. They didn't take a a strap or a whip and beat their backs on the way. They didn't, they didn't hit them in the face and treat those animals cruelly. They just took them to their death. And they were so, uh, such experts, those priests were so good at the slaying of the animal that the animal never felt anything. It never felt any of the pain. They took the knife to the throat. And that was it. They were expert. They, were, they had to have the ability to kill an animal without causing it great pain and suffering. So they took those animals and they killed them. And they, I mean, it was immediate, dead. They died. Then why is it when Jesus comes into the world, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, why is it then that they, if, if he, if all it takes is just death, why then did they not just take Jesus or God, offer Him up, kill Him, and that's over? Why on the way did they hit Him in the face? Why did they pluck His beard out? Why did they treat Him so inhumanely? Why did they persecute Him? They didn't do that to any of the lambs in the Old Testament, but they did it to the Lord. Why did they do that? Because He did not just die for sin. He died for the curse of sin. 
He took the curse of sin on his, in his body. You can read Deuteronomy 28. It talks about the curses of a broken law. Yes. Like thirst. Yes. Why did he just die? Because he had to take the curse of the law. Not just sin, but the curse of the broken law. So hanging on the cross, he says, I thirst. Why not just die, Jesus, for sin? Because I've got to take care of the penalty of the curse. The curse of the law. Read Deuteronomy 28. Why he had to be persecuted. Why they smote him. Why he was driven from one enemy to another enemy. And mistreated like he was. Why was he thirsty? Why was he hungry? Why did he lose all of his possessions? Because he not only died for your sin, my friend, he died and took the curse of the broken law upon him. And every aspect of the curse of the broken law hit thirstiness and being driven from one, one enemy to another enemy and fleeing from his, his oppressors being cast from one to another and thirsting and hungering and losing everything he's got. Stripped of his clothes, made naked. Why all of that? If, it, it all, if it's all it's about is just dying for sin, there's more to it than that. He had to take your curse. He had to take your poverty. He took the curse of your poverty. He took your thirstiness. He took your hunger. He took your nakedness. He took your being driven from one enemy to another enemy. For you, my friend. And I want you to know today, anybody who rejects this Savior is worthy of damnation. Especially those, especially those who have heard the truth one time. What right do you have, what right do we have to hear the truth more than one time? When there's hundreds and thousands in this world who have never heard what you've heard and you're lukewarm at times and you're carnal at times. You need to get a glimpse. You need to get a revelation of Jesus' death for your sin but also what he went through to take your poverty, your, your pain, your, your thirst, your hunger, your nakedness. You're being tossed from one enemy to another. You need to get a revelation. Of the finished work of the cross. Read Deuteronomy 28 sometime. And you're going to see. And Jesus experienced every one of those curses in his life. He did it for me. Hallelujah. I got a question for you. Don't, don't you, when you see what the Lord has done, doesn't it put a fire inside of you? Doesn't want, doesn't it want you to? Doesn't it make you want to live above sin and and not be trifle with your walk? And, and doesn't doesn't not want you to lay, make you want to lay down your life for Him and pay the price? It's worth it. Yeah, they're going to think you're strange. They're going to think you're odd because you don't fit. You don't fit. You're not a part of this world anymore. You don't fit. Stop trying to fit. Stop trying to be popular with fallen humanity. Your job is to reach out in that deadness and that despair and that sin and tell them the truth. The only truth that can bring them out of that condemnation and lead them to Jesus. Where they can be born again of the water and the spirit. That's our job. 
Because that's their only hope. Are you here? In closing, Paul writes this. He says, verse 18, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. Whereas by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered and the offense, that the offense might abound, but where sin abound, grace did that much more abound. The law entered that offense might abound. What is he saying there? Because sin is so horrible inside of mankind, in all of us. In all of us. The law comes. You know what you would think? The purpose of the law was to govern man's life and was to be a barrier to sin and to drive you into the arms of Jesus Christ, right? And you would think, wow, the law has come. But it didn't have power to forgive. It didn't have power to save you. Do you understand? It didn't have power. What it did was it stirred up sin in you. When law comes, it stirs up sin in you. How does that happen? Well, stolen apples are sweeter. You know what I'm talking See, the forbidden. Oh, yeah. Because that sin nature in us, just, just let somebody know it's forbidden. All of a sudden, they want it. You, you don't put up a, if you don't put up a sign in your front yard right by your apple tree that says, don't touch these apples. People, those children, those, those people walk right by that apple tree and never even notice the apple tree. But you put up a sign that says, don't eat those apples, it is forbidden. That law stirs up something in, I'll do what I want to do. You can't tell me what to do, I'm going to do what I want to do. So that, that, see, so that law stirs up sin. That's the sin nature in us. It wants what it can't have. It wants what it's forbidden to have. Your flesh is that way. So, put up a sign. These apples are forbidden. They go over there and they say, oh, oh boy, these are so good. Mm. Oh, best apple I've ever eaten. I've never eaten an apple this good. Mm. Stolen fruit. Mm. Man. With me? It could be the, the most bitter apple you've ever eaten. But because you got away with it, you took what was forbidden. Oh, it's good. See, that's that sin nature. It not only defines sin, but it stimulates sin. Because that, that's how evil we are on the inside. That, that, that fallen nature, that's how, that's how powerful that sin nature is. You forbid it, it wants it more. You say, don't do this. Get ready. <laughs> if you just ignore it. No, you can't ignore it because God doesn't ignore it. He lifts His commands high. You understand? You cannot ignore it. Even though it's going to stimulate and define sin, you still got to preach the Word of God. But I'm trying to show you how evil that sin nature is. God didn't say, okay, well, if I bring this law, it's going to stimulate the sin that's in them, so I can't bring the law. No, he still brought the law. But he wants to see you how evil your sin nature is. You got to see it. Now, don't look at me like you're all sanctified and sanctimonious. And you know in you, you want forbidden things. 
You desire forbidden things, and you know it's not right, and you know you're going to commit suicide if you do it. But there's just something about the fact it's forbidden. Mm, I think I want to play around with that. I want to see. Boy, are you here today? Are you here today? See, it's kind of like that old bull, you know. Y'all ever seen them bullfighters? Yeah, Sister Martha used to be one of them bullfighters. <laughs> You're a bullfighter, man. But you know, that bull sitting out there in the arena, it's, it, you know, he just does... Every once in a while, kind of looking around, look at all these people looking at him, you know. And you, you know what I'm saying? He's just standing there, and he's a bull, right? And he's kind of minding his own business. And then all of a sudden, some guy with a little red towel comes out. <laughs> Is it Torah or whatever they say? What do they say? Yeah, Toro, Toro, whatever. I don't know. Whatever, what do they say? Don't know. She wasn't a very good bullfighter. And as soon as they pull that red cape out, then what happens? The bullish aspect that is in the bull comes out. So the law is like the red cape. Okay? And when it comes, it stimulates because it says you can't have. It's kind of like that red cape. And I, was like, I want it, man. And that sin that's in you just comes out more. Come on. That's what he's talking about here. That has how wicked man is. God gives his word of right and wrong. But just because he shows you what's right and wrong doesn't mean you'll do it. Because when he shows you right and wrong, it's like the cape to the sin nature. And that sin begins to come out. I've seen a lot of people. You show them in the, in the Word of God, the Bible, the, the, the ways of holiness. You show them in the Bible the right way, and they will just go the opposite direction. I mean, they weren't even as bad as they were before, but now they go off, man, you know. Until God finally gets a hold of them. I've seen that many times. Just go the total extreme the other side. Yeah. That's that sin nature, that rebellion that's in the heart of man. It wants what it wants at any cost. For anybody to say, I can't. You know, now listen. How many of y'all, you know, you're driving down the road and you see a stop sign and you look around and say, I don't see any cops. And you, whoosh, Just to see. You know, you were cruising along. Everything's all right. You know, you're, you're kind of happy with the speed you're going. And all of a sudden you see a sign. And you saw the sign, just as you see the sign, you say, I want to see if I can get away with it. Just to see if you can get away with it, man. Nobody else can get away with it, but I can because I'm smarter. I know how to cover it up. I know how to do it right. That's that old sin nature in us. You hadn't saw the sign, you'd have just kept on driving the speed limit. You see the sign, now you want to see if you can get away with it. And then the law comes up behind you and pulls you over and say, Oh, what, officer? What'd I do? I don't know what I did. What'd I do? What are you talking about? Yeah, right. You with me here? 
Mm, we are a mess. Jesus Christ is the only hope. And this, and, I, and let me tell you this, my friend. I don't, when I say we are a mess, I want you to know I'm not standing outside of this church right now shouting that to the world. They know they're in a mess. And it is in a mess. But I'm going to tell you the church is in a mess too. We're, I'm going to tell you like this. Your pastor is so messed up. If you knew how messed up I was, you wouldn't even have come to hear me speak this morning. I'm messed up. Oh, Pastor. Ooh, now, see, now I got you thinking. Now you're wondering. How are you messed up, Pastor? Ooh, give us the good news. Give us the news. The, ooh, we want all the facts, the juicy truth, man. I'm not talking about that. I'm faithful to my wife. I'm just talking. I, friend, if I don't do anything, I'm messed up. If I, don't do any, if I don't do any acts, I'm messed up, man. I know that. And you know what? That, it causes me to run to Jesus. It causes me. I have to pray more. I have to worship. I have to stay close to God because I am messed up. Make some of the stupidest decisions. Crazy. Insane. Doesn't even make sense to do them. And then I find out. Oh, I thought I was doing pretty good. And all of a sudden I find out, boy, how messed up I am. Now, if that causes you not to come back to church, I'm sorry. But that's just a reality, man. Jesus is the only hope. His power, the power of His Spirit mixed with the power of truth. Crucifying this flesh. Living a crucified life is the only answer. Because your flesh, because you still got that sin nature side by side with that new nature. And that new nature is more powerful than the sin nature. And it's more powerful than death. But you have to choose to walk in that headship. If you don't, you're no better than anybody else out there in the world. In fact, in many ways, you're worse. Do you understand? Praise God. See? And that's really freeing to me. How many out there, sometimes you are just a mess. And I'm not glorifying failure or sin here or shortcomings. But I'm just telling you the truth. See, if you admit where you are, then you can go where you know you need to be. But if you never admit where you are, you can never get to your destiny. If you, you see, before you can go to that place, you've got to find out on the map where you are. So sometimes God brings the law right up and slaps me in the face with it. I mean, He knocks the living daylights out of me, boy. And, and sometimes I have to admit to myself and I have to admit to my wife. And I even have to admit sometimes to the unbelieving world, I'm sorry, I am messed up. I apologize. I'm sorry. It's not you. It's me. Man, I've got a problem and I'm looking for help. Do you hear what I'm telling you? I'm looking for help. And I had this happen not long ago. And one, some of these men, they walked up to me. They shook my hand. It completely changed uh, the, the, the way they, they looked at me. Men in the world, they're not, they don't even claim to know Christ. But I told them, I said, I'm messed up. I'm, I, I, I'm, I've made a mistake here. And I, I need you to, to forgive me. I need you to forgive me. And I need you to understand that I, I recognize I need some help. 
my decision's not right. My thinking is not clear. And so it's good for me. It's good for me. Hallelujah. It's good for me. Do you understand? And I'm not going to get into details because I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm talking about transactions in the world. I'm talking about mingling in the world. I'm talking about business in the world. I'm talking about the way we relate to people in a business way. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, just because you're a Christian, you know, sometimes they got more sense than you do when it comes, in, when it comes to the realm of business. And, and I, just, I just had to bow my head in shame and say, you know what, I am messed up. I'm trying to get some help. And I need help. Hallelujah. You with me? See, drug addicts have drug addictions. I have other addictions that I'm dealing with. Oh, Lord. Uh, there goes half my church. You have a drug addiction. You have an alcohol addiction. You have a smoking addiction. You have a drug addiction. You have a tobacco addiction. I've got other addictions, and so do you. But you see, in a church, we don't want to say anything about that. You know, we want to cover up. We want to always walk around, and people th- look at us and say, we're perfect, man. Boy, look at it. They're perfect people. No, we're not. We're just redeemed. Washed in the blood. Washed in the blood. And sometimes the people in this world are smarter than we are when it comes to business. And we've got to hang our heads and say, you know what? You're right. I'm a mess, man. Hallelujah. It's time, you know, that we be, we be real. And uh, I'm not saying give in to sin and things like that. But there are times when uh, we know that uh, we're messed and I don't know what it is about us. You know, we, we get victory over one thing and then we start walking around self-righteously like we own the place. We own the church. You know, I can't believe they would do that. You know, just because you got the victory over one thing, you know, and somebody else failed. I can't believe they talk like that, act like that, do that. I, I just can't believe that. Well, we're we going to give you about 24 hours <laughs> to eat humble pie. You fall flat on your seat. And then you run to the prayer rooms. Hey, God, get on your face. Oh, God, I'm such an idiot, God. Forgive me, Lord. You know, it's crazy. I'm insane. God. And then we go off and we talk to him about all of our, you know, our chemical, chemical imbalances. Lord, help me, God. I, I'm, my testosterone's messed up. God, my estrogen's messed up, God. My, oh, God, I'm messed up, God. It's all these chemicals. That, no, 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 no. It's more than the chemical, honey. You were messed up before your testosterone, testosterone got messed up. You were messed up before your estrogen got messed up, man. You get on your face and say, God help me. I'm a, a massive confusion, God. Self-destructive. Left to my own ways. Be hell bound tomorrow. It wasn't for the grace of God. So none of us are better than anybody else. The only thing, the only difference is that we've been redeemed. We're in a new kingdom and we should be walking that way. But we've still got this old nature side by side with that new nature. And we've got all of us have battles. And all of us have to overcome some things. And some of us have addictions that others don't have. And you wouldn't call it an addiction, but it is. You know. 
as we define addiction as some real gross sin, well, you know, it could be an addiction that you think is lawful. Do you understand? Do you know that there's crazy, there's addictions of all kind? Can it be addicted to food? Well, I'm not addicted to drugs, but boy, I can put a half a beef away. <laughs> I can put the a half side of a cow away, man, in one sitting. <laughs> you know, I'm addicted to food, man. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm not saying I am. I'm just saying that it could be an addiction. I, I'm addicted to food, can't you tell? <laughs> I like food, though, but. I'm just giving you, using that as an example. See, we were, oh, I'm not addicted to drugs. You know, I'm better than, no, you're not better. You just got God by His grace. If you're not addicted to eating, you might be addicted to shopping. It could be anger. That is an addiction. Because anger creates the same Stimulus are the same response in the body that, dr that drugs do. The exact same thing. When you get angry, it causes chemicals to go off in your body. Same type of high that drugs produce in you. You could be addicted to food. You could be addicted to shopping. You could be addicted to anger. You could be addicted to a lot of things. So all of us need Jesus. And all of us need His grace. And where sin did abound... Grace did that much more abound. God put some grace on the top of it. Now here's, here's the problem. If you ever surrender to sin, you ever say, I just can't do it. I'm just going to go. No, that's when you are going to be destroyed. Because this is not a license. I'm not giving a license. We'll get in Romans 6 and we'll see that. But I'm just telling you that we, we like to classify sin. And we like to compartmentalize, you know, put certain things in this compartment and that, you know, and this is, no, no, my friend, we need to wake up. Everybody in here needs God. I need God. Do you believe that or do you not believe that? <clears throat> We're sending about grace to that much more abound. It says in that verse, the letter part of that, talking about sin first, increases the offense. It's the cape in front. Of that bull. Do you understand? <laughs> mm. Just tell us we can't afford it. <laughs> you can't afford it. Watch me. <laughs> oh, I see you looking at me. You're all back here. I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. Now, so, yeah, I got you now, man. <laughs> sin did abound grace that much more abound there's a beautiful illustration in the Old Testament tabernacle and if you don't know much about the tabernacle there's I've got multiple teachings on the Old Testament tabernacle you need to get it it will bless your life and I'm not trying to sell tapes I'm just trying to bless your life but here's the thing in that Old Testament tabernacle there are 60 pillars around the outer enclosure and this is the outer enclosure right here and I promise you I'm not going to be too long winded here but this is the outer enclosure right here those white Drapes, those white linen hangings all the way around that outer enclosure, 60 pillars upholding them. The pillars were in a foot of brass capped with silver, a cord of linen going from the top down to a stake, a brass stake that's driven into the earth. 
half in the earth and half out of the earth. What this shows you is this. The, the silver represents redemption. Okay? The linen represents the love of God. The stake in the ground because the winds would blow and the storms would blow against those that outer enclosure in the wilderness. So you had to have a stake and a cord tied off to the top of that silver cap to keep the walls of righteousness from falling. And so what we have here, we have redemption and it's tied off with love. Hosea 11 verse 4 talks about his, the bands of love. Those cords held that thing in place. It's the love of, of God upon us that upholds us in the storms of this life. And we're sended abound, that brass stake in the earth realm. We're sended abound, redemption at the top silver. We're sended abound, grace did that much more abound. It's tied to a brass stake in the earth to redemption at the top. We're sended abound, grace did that much more abound. Are you with me today? Give God some praise. We're all upheld by the love of God. That's what it's all about. The Bible said in verse 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, Sin had a crown on it. Mr. Sin had a crown. It reigned unto death. Even so might grace reign. Now grace has a crown. Through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin has its limits. It reigns and it rules all the way to the time the person ceases to exist in this life physically. That's the limitation of sin. But righteousness goes beyond the period. And it goes all the way into eternity. It is limitless. And when Jesus Christ, when he was crucified on the cross, he took care of the sin debt. He took care of what separates us, between, uh, separates us from God. He dealt with sin and he dealt with death. He dealt with the power of sin and he dealt with the power of death when he hung on that cross. When he came out of the grave, now watch this. Let me just give you an illustration. We're talking about sin reigning. Got a crown on its head. Death has a crown on its head. It's ruling. Okay? In that realm of the uh, Adamic fallen world. Here comes the Lord Jesus Christ. Through his death, he destroys the power of death. Through his death, he defeats sin. He dies for sin. Takes the curse. Upon himself. They take his body. They put him in a sepulcher. They put a big old stone in front of it. And King Death sat on the top of that stone. Saying I got him. King Sin, Sin says I reign. Both of them sitting on that stone. Acting like they're supreme. Then all of a sudden. On the third day. Woo! Jesus. Destroys the power of death. He walks out of the grave. And when he does. He knocks off the. He knocks the crown off the top of sin's head. He knocks the crown off the top of death. And they fall off the top of that stone. And Jesus comes forth victorious and triumph. And says I brought in a brand new age. I reign in life. Grace is reigning now. Grace is sitting on the throne now. You don't have to be defeated anymore. You don't have to be under the power of sin. You don't have to live a defeated life. You don't have to live in the power of death. Jesus reigns. Grace reigns now. And those other two, they have been de dethroned. And it's awesome to be living 
a new life in a new society in Jesus Christ. What an awesome thing he's done for us. And those first 11 verses of Romans 5 just simply says this. Because of the justification that Jesus Christ provides, there is hope. Even if you go through things, tribulation, affliction, there's still hope. Don't give up. Don't quit. This is what Jesus has done. This is the new age he's brought in. This is what we're part of. Do you understand? And Romans 6 says, because of that, this is the way you ought to live. And this is God is going to work in your life. He's going to change you from glory to glory. Sanctification. I'm not defeated. I'm not a victim. I've lost my victim's mentality. I've got a victor's mentality. I'm no longer walking in the power of death and defeat. I'm walking in the power of God's spirit and the power of his justification. Let's stand. Father, we just love you right now. We thank you today, Father, for the new birth. We thank you that through your death, your burial, and your resurrection, we could be justified, put in right standing with you. You would look at me, God. You'll say, that man's righteous. I don't have to carry the guilt. I don't have to carry the condemnation. I don't have to carry the power of death, the power of sin. Walking in that, I thank you for the victory, God. I can be victorious. I don't have to be a victim anymore. I don't have to be defeated anymore. You made a way much more, Lord. Much more. Not only did you restore what was lost in Adam. You brought much more to us. Now I pray God for everybody that's here. Especially those today that are not born again. We pray God that that you would let them know that you love them. That your grace is available to them. It doesn't matter what they've done in the past. If they'll bring it to you, Father. They'll repent. Have those sins remitted in baptism in your name. And be filled with your spirit. You'll give them a new beginning. You'll give them a brand new start. They will be a new creation. A new nation. A new person. A new life. I thank you today for this wonderful grace and truth. Offering it to us. That we'd walk in it, Lord. The people of God that have been born again, who have been brought out of the old Adam. That we would walk in the newness of life. We would get rid of the old Adam's furniture and the old Adam's clothes and the old Adam's ways and the old Adam's thinking. The old Adam's words. At times, God, we know we're acting in Him. But Father, I thank you today that I'm a brand new creation. And if I act like I used to, it's not because that's who I am now. I've just carried some stuff over with me in this new realm. Thank you for the power of your spirit, the gift of God, the Holy Ghost. In filling our lives, thank you for the blood that brings forgiveness. 
the Spirit of God that brings life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Go to somebody. Tell them you love them.